Well, welcome to church, everyone. Welcome to church, everyone. Welcome to church online. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Welcome to church in the middle of a smoky Colorado day. We get to come and worship our great God. God has a message for you. I just feel it in my bones. So are you ready to receive a word from God? Do you believe God has a word for you. Welcome online. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm glad you are watching. I want to encourage you to watch the entire sermon, the entire service, uh, because I believe God has a word for you, a really special word for you. Um, Lord, we we just uh, thank you. Thank you for your goodness and thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. I'm grateful, God, you never give up on us. I'm grateful, God, there's no mountain too big to move in our life or a giant that's bigger than you, that you can slay any giant in our life, God. I'm grateful, God, that you uh, continue to uh, speak to us and thankful for your word. And I'm thankful, God, for the the breath in our lungs. I'm thankful, God, that uh, you hear our prayers. And I'm thankful, God, that you can take our our mess and, and make it part of our story so I'm grateful, God, for you, for you saving me and, and, and saving many others. And, and I'm thankful that you desire to walk with us every day and you never give up on us. And you're always reaching out to us and you're always pulling us into your heart, God. Thank you so much. I'm grateful you're in control, even when things don't feel like they're in control. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful, God, for the way you moved in Roxy, and today she's at home right now. God recovered from COVID, so glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're so good. You hear our prayers. So good. Thank you, Lord. We love you, God, and just take a hold of this message, Lord. By your grace, use me. By your grace. I know there's a soul here that needs to hear a message from you, Lord, and I don't want to get in the way, God. You know, this message is so close to my heart, God. I know it's a million times closer to your heart. So I pray just to be faithful, a clean vessel for you. Uh, may may your, 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 uh, your grace just cover me, Lord, in any, any sins or anything that may be in the way to impede the flow of your Holy Spirit. And would you work in each heart, those who are watching right now online and those who are here in the house, move in each heart, God, those who are close and, and far, and the sinner and the saint. We all need you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You're not aware of the situation. We had a, a Roxy attend Thorn Creek Church, and, and she got COVID a, a few weeks ago. And, and it was so bad that uh, literally uh, she was within like 30 minutes of being put on a ventilator, literal 30 minutes. So it's amazing when you're in situations like that, how you cry out to God. It's amazing how you find time to get on your knees and everything is put in perspective. So we cried out to God. We actually went to uh, the parking lot of St. Anthony North Hospital and uh, there were, I don't know, maybe 15 of us there or 20, I don't know. But we all put our hands towards the hospital and we just said, God, would you bring healing to Roxy right now in the name of Jesus Christ? And God heard our prayers. Prayer is incredibly powerful. Prayer is so powerful. And, and the church is so 
powerful. It's incredibly, this is, I'm I'm speaking about the church today. Uh, The title of the message is Not Sure About Church. That's what the title is. And and I I put it kind of in a rhetorical kind of question like that, because when when you look at, at, at God's word, you see the power of the church over and over. You look at it in the Old Testament where God spoke, and then you look at it in the New Testament, and over and over, you see Christ and God and the Holy Spirit are just occupying the church. In Mark, um, I'm reading right now, Mark chapter one in my personal devotions. And, and when I was reading, one of the first things Jesus does after being tempted in the wilderness is he goes to the synagogue and he teaches. And then he performs all these miracles. And in chapter one, you see it again. He goes to another territory. And the first thing he does is he goes to the synagogue and he teaches. It's an incredibly, incredibly powerful, powerful organism called the church. So aren't you glad you're at church? Did you know, uh, I'm going to embarrass her a little bit. The gal that plays over here, the, the, the keyboard, her name is Tawny. She drives from Fort Collins to come to Thorn Creek Church. That's a, about a one hour drive time to come here. And she comes two hours, just do the math, two hours on the road to come to church. We have other people like that too. It's, it's, it's amazing. There's nothing like the power of the church. Last week, we had a membership class. Now, membership is an incredibly important class. I want you to know we had 21 people commit to membership at Thorn Creek Church. You can put your hands together for that one. Glory to God. That's a big deal. I always tell people membership is that moment when you make this full-on commitment to be part of the vision, the values, and the solution of the church. That's what, it's kind of like living together and not being married. When you say, I do, that commitment level goes to a whole other level when you do that. It should, at least. And in the church, when you commit to a church, you're saying, gosh, we're, we're all in this together. We're, we're growing in the grace of God together. I'm not perfect. We're not perfect. But we're going to all go the same direction. And we're going to all try to make an impact and we're all going to grow and we're going to, we're going to fulfill the Great Commission. And it's, it's incredibly powerful to be part of a church. What's your view on church? What do you think about when you think of church? Growing up, I'll just be honest with you, I did not go to church very often. And when I did go to church... It was a task. It was like going to the dentist's office or something like that. No offense to any dentist. But I just didn't have any relationship with God. And going to church felt like something I had to do, I should do. It's kind of like working out, going to the rec club or something like that. It's like, I know I need to work out, but I get busy, and I'm not sure about all this stuff. And I know I'm gaining weight. That's what that guy told me a few weeks. Remember I told you about him? I know I'm gaining weight. I know I need to work out. But you know what? Sometimes I just get busy. Sometimes I'm just not able to attend church. Psalm chapter 84 is a phenomenal chapter. Charles Spurgeon said it was the second most important psalm in all of Psalms. There's 150 psalms. And he said the first one was Psalm 23. And he said the second one was Psalm 84. Psalm 84 is all about the church. I don't know what you think about when you think of church. Some of you think, oh, it's something that I'm dragged to. Some of you might think, well, it's something I grew up 
you know, attending. Some of you, maybe you just haven't been at church in a long time. Whatever is your perception of church, here's, here's my, my challenge. Would you just come to this with an open mind right now? Uh, some of you have grown up in the church and you've been in the church forever. And maybe it's been a good experience. Maybe it's been a bad experience. But I want you to see church in a fresh way with fresh eyes. Psalm chapter 84. Here it is. Verse 1. Let's just, I want to read verse one and let's read verse one out loud. Let's do read it out loud. What does it say? How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. Do you see the passion in verse one? You see that? My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh Cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and a swallow, a nest for herself, where she may have her young. A place near your altar, Lord Almighty, my God, my King, and my God. Bible scholars believe when the psalmist wrote this, it was a literal bird that was nesting in the house of the Lord. Verse four says this, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength, say strength with me. Anybody need strength today? Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, that means a place of weeping, a valley of weeping. They make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. I love verse seven, the way it starts off. They go from strength to strength. Isn't that good? Till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Oh, wow. Here it is. Verse 10 is the mic drop verse. Here it is, guys. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Oh, grab a pin out and underline that baby right there. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Isn't that beautiful? I love this idea. The psalmist is saying, oh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. You don't know how good it is to be in the house of the Lord. You don't know what a great privilege it is to go to church. Because at church is where the presence of God is. 
At church is where we worship God and we cry out to him and the word is, is read and proclaimed. At church, it's the pillar of truth is what the New Testament calls the church. The pillar of truth. It's glorious. Everything about it. And this psalm is saying, I, I, I get strength from strength to strength. And there's a blessing that comes from those who are in the house. And even though when you pass through the valley of Baca, the place of weeping, that place where you don't know why this is happening, you could come to church and God hears your prayers and he's the God who heals. He's the God who makes things right. He's the God that takes all of your worries. He's the God who takes all of your stress, as, uh, all, all, of, all of your stress. And he's also the God who takes care of you and, and you move there from, from strength to strength. I love that phrase because sometimes we're strong, we feel strong, and sometimes we feel weak. And then we feel strong again. And it's like God helps us in our seasons. And you might feel strong right now, or you might feel weak right now, but God can get you to another place of strength. And you travel. That's what it is. I have this vision of going like from strength to strength to strength. You know what I'm talking about? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I know I'm, I'm, I'm over here. I feel strong. But the next day I'm in a funk. I see smoke everywhere. I'm walking my dog. I'm, I don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm confused. I'm worried. I'm troubled. Whatever it is. But then God gives you some strength and you're like, oh, it's okay. Skies are clear. It's from strength to strength to strength. That's what God does. Nobody can strengthen you like God. Nobody can strengthen you like God's word. Nobody can strengthen you like the Holy Spirit, like Jesus can. In Psalm chapter 84, he says, he says they go from strength to strength. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Glory to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, so glad you're at church. Can you do that? Type it in the chat room. Just say, glad we're at church. Type it in there. Say, glad I'm at church. So this chapter, Psalm 84, when you look at it, in my Bible, there's this little subtitle under Psalm 84. And uh, it says this, for the director of music, according to Giddeth of the sons of Korah, a psalm. So Korah himself, uh, th this, this whole thing, th this was for Levites. These are Levites. The sons of Korah are Levites. Now, Korah was not a good guy. There's a thing known as Korah's Rebellion. Um, but his sons and their descendants became really good people. And in fact, maybe, maybe they were so in love with the house of the Lord because that's where they tasted the grace and mercy of God. Maybe they're so in love with the house of the Lord because that's where God forgave them for their sins. And these sons of Korah, a worship team, you got to hear this. These guys are musicians. That's who these guys are. They are musicians. And there's something about these guys. They are so in love with this idea of they get to serve God. And they get to be in the presence of the Lord. They're musicians. I, I have this big drum. I wasn't planning on this, but I'm going to bring it out here, guys. This is what I, I imagine. Isn't this cool? This is like a perfect thing. You came to church. And I can just imagine them worshiping God, you know, just, I don't care. Yeah. I, I could just imagine these guys. They just don't care what other people think. 
They're going to worship God. They have so much joy in their heart. And they, they came to church and they have so much joy. And scripture says this, verse two, he says, my soul yearns, even faints, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my what church and my flesh cry out for the living God. Are you there? Are you there yet right now? Are you glad to be at church? Isn't it amazing we get to come and worship God? And this is happening all over the world. There's people in communist country and they're meeting in underground places and they're singing songs and singing hymns and, and praying and praying for their, for their city or for their village, for their community, asking God to move. There's people in jungles and there's people in schools and there's people in office spaces and there's people in cathedrals and we're all crying out to the living God. Aren't you glad you're at church? Aren't you glad you're watching church right now? He says, my soul yearns. Have you been at that place before where you, your soul yearns? His, his soul longed for God's house. It was where he met God. Let's look at that mic drop verse right here. I want us to read it out loud. Verse 10, read it out loud. Here we go. Better is one day in your courts. Let's start over again because I don't feel like you're excited about being at church right now. So let's read it all out loud. And if you're at home watching, you can read it out loud while you're watching it right now. It's okay. It might, might feel a little bit weird, but God sees you. It's okay. So let's do it again. Better is one day I would rather be Do you really believe this? Do you really believe no, no. turn to the person next to you and just ask them, do you really believe this? I mean, do you really believe this? Seriously. I mean, are you that excited about watching church and being at church? I mean, really? Are you really that excited? I mean, better is one day in the courts than a thousand elsewhere. I mean, like, like coming to church one day in church is better than being in the mountains. Really? You feel, you feel that way? I mean, one day in the church is better than being at the beach. You really feel that way? Seriously? Are you really, you really believe that one day at the church is better than being at the lake? Really? That one day being at church is better than sleeping in. You really believe that? Come on now. You really believe that? One day at the church is better than mowing your lawn? Really? One day at church is better than like uh, <laughs> looking at YouTube videos and TikTok? And all. I mean, really? One day at church is better than working out. Do you really believe that? Seriously? One day at church is better than going to the movies. Really? One day at church is better than going out on a date. Is that true? One day at church is better than watching the Broncos or your favorite team. Is that true? One day at church is better than a thousand elsewhere? Seriously? You really believe that? I was talking to, I talk to people all the time about church. And sometimes they say weird things to me. You know, I, I have uh, pastors. I'm not going to talk just about myself, but many pastors they, they, they drop their nets and they, and they follow this calling of God on their life. I am a 
slave to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's many other pastors who are slaves to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you move across the country, even across the world for the church. I have a professor friend of mine. He, he's in Colorado Springs and, and, and his daughter uh, and son, they just got married and his son, um, he uh, studied air traffic control. And uh, they're going to a remote place in like communist territory. And it's the kind of place that he knows where they're going, but they're not allowed to tell anyone where they're going. And they send missionaries into this, to these restricted areas that they can't tell anyone where they're at, but they send, they, they, they need, you know, bush pilots and, and they, they fly these missionaries to these countries, but it just so happens they have a brand new air traffic control center and nobody knows how to operate that thing. And it just so happens that his son-in-law knows air traffic control and he's leaving to go over there. And all of this is for the church to expand and the gospel of Jesus Christ to go into remote places and to the ends of the earth. I talk to people all the time. I say, hey, you're going to be at church. And sometimes they say, I don't know. I love the honesty, incidentally. Thank you for being honest. And sometimes that's the case. Or I talk to someone who comes to church and maybe they're visiting. And I say, are you going to come back? And they said, I don't know. We're going to pray about it. And I want to tell them, gosh, tell me what God tells you because I'm wasting my time. If God tells you don't come here, if God's not here, why in the world am I here? I need to go play golf. Why am I here? I don't need to be here. I need to work on my yard, my HOA, build my, my retirement account and, and go spend time in Kauai or something. What am I doing here then? What is the church to you? Do you really believe this idea better is one day in the courts than a thousand elsewhere? Then he says, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You know what? You know, a doorkeeper, that's, our, that's our, our greeters at the door. That's who they are. That's part of our guest relations team. Someone said a doorkeeper is first in and last out. And it's true. Our doorkeepers on the front and the back of the house, they stay out there and they're here early and they set up tents and they set up tables and they wait for you to show up. And then when the service starts, they stay out there a little bit longer because some of you show up to church late. You know who you are. And then when service is over, if you notice, they slip out and they try to get back out there to make sure they say goodbye to you. The doorkeepers. I tell all of our doorkeepers, the first seven minutes is most important because studies say within the first seven minutes of someone visiting a church, that person is making a decision on whether or not they're going to come back. And the two questions they ask is, can this church meet my needs? And is there anybody else like me here? So I want them to know that first seven minutes, the doorkeepers our guest relations. And the psalmist is saying, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. He's saying, I'd rather be part of the guest relations team at church than go to any club on 16th street. I'd rather be part of the guest relations team and be a door greeter that welcomes people into the church than do anything else. I'd rather be at the door and welcome people into that welcome center because 
you know what? They're going through so much and you don't know what got them to this place where they said, we got to go to church. You don't know the story behind that person who's walking up the steps. You don't know the story behind that person who's just walked out of their car and is coming to church. You don't know their story. And the doorkeeper gets to be the first one to show them the love of God, the doorkeeper. I mean, you think about all the, all the, all the positions in, in, you know, that, that exist, and it's the doorkeeper. I want, to, I want to say this to you. If you're part of the guest relations team at Thorn Creek Church, you need to know it's okay to talk trash to other people because the Bible talks trash to everyone. He says, it's better to be a doorkeeper than anything else. So door, guest relations people, you can say you have the best job in the house. You have the best job in the house. And this psalmist is saying, I'd rather just be a doorkeeper. I don't need to be on stage. I don't need to do any of that stuff. I like the way Eugene Peterson said it in, in the message version. He says, one day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God, then be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Wow. Again, I want to ask you the question, do you really believe this? I mean, are you really believing that? We've got some toilets that need to be cleaned. Anyone want to jump up and do that? Do you really believe this? It's, you'd rather scrub floors You'd rather scrub floors and be honored as a guest in the palace of sin. Do you really believe better is one day in the courts? Do you really believe this? If you really believe this, let me ask you these questions. Then why do you show up late? Then why aren't you serving? Then why aren't you giving? then why do you miss? Why? I'm speaking to myself as well sometimes. See, if you really believe better is one day in the house of the Lord, you know what? When the key opens up the door, I want to be there. When there's a need in the church, I want to help because it's the house of the Lord. And I got to show others what the love of God looks like. I need to show children what the love of God looks like. I need to show students what the love of God looks like. I need to support my, my brothers and sisters because I need to show them what the love of God looks like. I need to be part of that recovery group because I need to show them what the love of God looks like. I need to be part of the worship team because I want to lead people in praise and show them what the love of God looks like. I need to clean the floors and I need to clean the bathrooms because I want people to come here and see the house of the Lord and I want them to see the love of God. Do you really believe better is one day in the courts? Come on now. Do you really believe that? In your deep, deep soul, do you really believe you'd rather be a church than anywhere else? Let me ask you it this way. Are you in love with the church as much as Jesus is in love with the church? Are you in love with the church as much as the sons of Korah are in love with the church? Made me think about this. Why? Why is it that there's some people 
who want to be at church when it's unlocked. Why? Why is it that we have this concert at the park and we have people who will take off, take vacation time off of work, take a day off just to go and help set up? Why do you have those people? And then why do you have other people that just like are there, they want to be at church? And then why do you have other people that just want to leave or don't go come at all? Why are there some people who call themselves Christians and don't even go to church but they're Christians. Why are there, why is there such a difference with, you know, there's people who are just want to be there and, and the people are there and, and they see the flaws, but they still love the church. And then there's other people that have all kinds of excuses and reasons or whatever it is. And they just don't. Why? I asked the Lord this question today, because I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't always love the church. I didn't. And you know what the Lord told me? He reminded me of my early days. And he told me, he told me this, if you love Jesus, you'll love his church. So everything is about a relationship with Jesus. When I was far from God, I didn't want to have anything to do with church because I didn't have any relationship with Jesus. It's all about Jesus. But when you have this personal relationship with Jesus, all of a sudden you see the church differently. All of a sudden you recognize it's not about you. It's about him. All of a sudden you see how God uses the church. It's been going on for about 2000 years. It's going to outlive you and me. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. Let's read it out loud guys. I will build my church and all. That's pretty, that's pretty strong. Don't you think? I will build my church. That's what Jesus said. There's nothing like the power of the church. So the head of the church is Jesus. The CEO of the church is Jesus. The founder of the church is Jesus. It's not man-made. I like Revelation chapter 19, verse 7, because it reminds us of who is the church. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Well, who's his bride? It's the church. It's the believers. That's who the bride is. And scripture says we're his bride and we're being perfected and we're learning to walk by faith and we're the righteous ones. And there's going to be a day when his bride will be ready. We're his church. We have so many different people you know, that come to Thorn Creek, so many different races and backgrounds and people of different socioeconomic levels. And it's a picture of, it's a picture of heaven. Here's, here's what I want you to hear. Your commitment to the church is directly associated with your relationship with Jesus. It really is. It's tightly connected. Now don't fool yourself. You can't love Jesus and hate his church. It's impossible. You can't truly love Jesus and not care for his church. You're fooling yourself. You can't truly love Jesus and be okay with just missing church over and over. Because if you really love Jesus, his heart will be in your heart and he will put a passion inside of you for the things that he's passionate about. If you really love Jesus.
And none of this makes sense or matters if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. It all comes down to Jesus. It's not about like, you know, uh, you really need to go and work out and you're like, I don't want to go work out, but I'm going to go anyway because I know I need to do it. I don't want to do it. I know I shouldn't have eaten that Krispy Kreme donut last night. I know I should go. I'm just going to go ahead. I don't really want to go, but I'm going to go. That's the wrong attitude for church. It's the wrong attitude. If you really love Jesus, then you just love his church. Now, here's what I want you, to, want you to hear. Here's the sad part about this whole thing. More and more Christians are seeing church attendance as non-essential to their spiritual life. More and more are seeing church attendance as non-essential. We are living in a new era today And the COVID-19 virus has accelerated our new era. Hear this. America is rapidly becoming post-Christian. Rapidly. Think about this. Prayers were in school at one point, weren't they? Not anymore. One nation under God. There was a time when that was welcomed. There was a time when the Sabbath was honored. No sport teams played on the Sabbath. Your kid didn't play on, this, on Sunday. That didn't happen. And little by little, there's been this shift that has been happening over and over. America accelerated its post-Christian trend during the pandemic. It means attending church is becoming less and less popular. According to Barna Research, One in three practicing Christians has stopped attending church during COVID-19. One in three has stopped attending. And during that time, some Christians have said, you know what? Staying at home is kind of nice. I don't think I need to go to church. You know what? Maybe this is God speaking to us and maybe we just need to do something else and go somewhere else. And maybe that's what it is. One in three stop attending church. When, When church is taken out of a culture, there's some consequences behind it. There's some consequences behind it. Um, and what we've seen, you know, we have online ministry, which I love. I'm grateful churches had to learn technology really quick all across the world, right? They had to figure out how to do online church across the world. All different denominations are learning this. Um, But um, as I think about that, and I think there's real value, especially if you're not able to go to church for some reason, you know, you're on vacation. I mean, that's a great reason to watch church online or you're, you're homesick, watch it online or whatever it is. Um, But if you live an hour away, that might be a little bit different now because there's incredible power when people come together. I don't think the brick and mortar church will ever be completely substituted by a digital church. I think there's always going to be a time for the brick and mortar for people to come together and gather. It's been doing that for so long. I'm having a hard time believing that there's going to be a day when the digital church will take over. When church is taken out of someone's life and what we've seen is this, When the pandemic happened, 
A lot of people watch church online and little by little, you know what's happened? It's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. This isn't just Thorn Creek. These are denominations and churches across the U.S. And what we've also seen is those people, many of them, they just stop watching and they're not attending in person anymore. They've stopped both. They've stopped both. I want to give you three characteristics of a post-Christian culture. What does a post-Christian culture look like? This comes from a, a podcast between Carrie Newoff and Mark Clark, who's from Village Church in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, they said this, here's three characteristics of a post-Christian church. Just in case you're not aware, we're in a post-Christian era. Number one is people become spiritual, but not religious. We acknowledge a supreme being. We acknowledge a higher power. We believe in meditation. We believe in spirituality. And we believe that helps us be a complete person. So we lift up spirituality, but that's it. That's it. We don't specifically focus it on Jesus Christ. It's just the fact of being spiritual. We acknowledge or we become spiritual, but not religious. Because we might think, oh, the religious, well, they're narrow-minded and we're open. We're progressive. We're not narrow-minded. So we're spiritual, but we're not religious. Number two is this. We become pop psychologists. We determine what's right and what's wrong. We don't need someone else to tell us what's right and what's wrong. We determine what's right um, because the Bible says so is no longer enough in this culture. We no longer look to pastors or Bible scholars as the sole authority of scripture. No longer. Think about that just for a little bit. We look to Google. We look to our favorite devotion. We look to that YouTube and we determine we determine the interpretation. My interpretation supersedes the interpretation of biblical authority. You think about this, this is kind of unique, but we don't apply this same philosophy, let's say in our medical world. In our medical world, we still go to doctors, we still go to surgeons because we believe they went to school and we believe they know that's their expertise. So we go to them if there's a procedure that needs to be done. But we haven't gone to the place where someone says, hey, I watch Grey's Anatomy every Monday night, so I can do that heart transplant for you. But in the church world, in the church world, you know what? I know he's a pastor or she's a pastor or he's a scholar. But you know what? I believe differently. And little by little, the, the authority of the local interpretation through the church is diminishing. It's slowly diminishing, and it's part of us becoming pop psychologists. And when you take God's word out of culture, people will make up their own theology based on their preferences. It's our human nature. We're going to design a theology that brings us comfort and not conviction but brings us the easiest path to heaven and where we don't have to make any changes in our life, we're going to design 
a, a theology that fits our preferences. Number three is this. We focus on ourselves as the priority. It's about me. It's about me. It's an autonomous society. It's about how I feel. It's about what I want. It's about my preferences. In essence, we become consumer-driven Christians. And I say Christians because consumer-driven Christians are not fully committed typically to one church. They have that church commitment is maybe just a little bit higher than their cell phone provider or their favorite restaurant, whatever it is. Here's the danger of the digital church. Watching church online can be just as transformational as watching an episode of The Office. That's the danger of the digital church. One of the things that I'll just tell you church leaders are talking about is engagement. Is there true engagement for that person who's watching online? Or are they just watching? And are they truly engaged? Here's how you know, uh, ultimately, if it's making a difference. Is that person watching online doing tangible things to show the love of God to others? Are they sharing their faith in real life? Are they, did they start to give? Have they sent an email to that church that they're watching? And have they said, hey, I want to learn more about this or I want to get baptized? Are they doing something tangible, taking a next step from just viewing? Does that make sense? So the quality of engagement is the real question because you know as well as I do, and I've seen church online. I was visiting someone and we put on church on TV and and it was going on. And I'll just tell you, um, so-and-so was in the kitchen and -and so-and-so was running over here and -and so-and-so was doing this and it was on. So I could say I saw church, but I really wasn't engaged. You know what I'm talking about? You've done that before. I've done that before. It's difficult. It's a challenge. Now, there are some people that really are tuned in. So I want to hear, I want to say that. I, I appreciate that so much. But the real question is, is there transformation? Is there transformation? Is there? Christians, they can focus on themselves. There are some Christians who feel like they've outgrown the church. They no longer need the church. They've been in the church long enough and they know everything about it. And they convince themselves of that. They don't need to be dependent on the church. And in fact, many of these Christians, you know what they do? Is they, they, they gather two or three of their closest friends, and they're more committed to that two or three group than they are to the local church. They're more committed to that smaller group, their friends, than they are to attending a physical location. They become a self-sufficient Christian. They don't really suffer for any cause of Christ. Not really. In fact, they really aren't really inconvenienced in any way. And in fact, they're really very comfortable. If they sacrifice, they sacrifice on their terms. They'll sacrifice for their friend. They'll sacrifice for whatever. But they become a self-sufficient consumer-driven Christian. See, church is not a cruise ship. It's a battleship. 
It's a battleship. I was talking to a, a, a guy in, in, in Western Colorado, and we were at a service together, and he told me of this Christian college he went to and the churches that he's been a part of. And I said, oh, are you going to church? He lives in Woodland Park now. I said, oh, are you going to church uh, there in Woodland Park? And he said, no, I got hurt by church, and I haven't gone back. And I told him, oh, the church needs you, brother. There is a fight going on every week. We need you. The church needs people who take initiative, who are willing to jump in the fight. I, I, there's two types of Christians out there. There's the type that will sit at a coffee table and tell you about how much they love Jesus and how much they care about the church. And then there's another type of Christian that's dirty from working you know, in the fields for Christ. There's another type that has sweat equity and they'll, they'll actually be in the fight and looking for the solution and they're in it with you. When you take away church attendance, when you take away the value of church, you take away the pulpit as well. And guess whose pulpit you listen to? Yours. Yours. This means you become the preacher of your life. And you know as well as I do, when it comes to social media, you don't need to earn a right to post anything. Do you? You can post anything you want. You have your own pulpit on social media. And you can say whatever you want. You become the preacher of your life and you customize your theology based on self-interest. You essentially flatten the church. You essentially flatten it. You choose what you worship. D.A. Carson said this. He said, when you take away Christianity from society, it deteriorates with every generation. Hear this. When you take away Christianity or the church or God's word, from society, it deteriorates the generations. Generation one, the first generation, people will assume others just know about Christianity. That's the first generation. They will assume, well, people know that story in the Bible, right? People know the, I mean, there's 10 commandments. I mean, people know that. First generation makes that assumption. But the second generation, people will question it. The third generation, people will just walk away from it. See, every generation is responsible to come back to biblical thinking. Every generation is responsible to come back to biblical thinking. But when you start pushing away the church, when you stop attending church, when you push church out of everything, you try to push God out of schools or whatever it is, you just push that out. There is a spiritual consequence. And eventually you land at this place where everything seems right in your eyes. That's where you land. And when you look at scripture all the way from the old Testament, you see God knew, oh, my people need to hear what's right. And he uses this man named Moses. And it's through Moses that we learn what a righteous life looks like. 
And in the New Testament, you see Jesus establish this church and everything is done through the synagogue and you see the church as pivotal and you see in Acts, the, the disciples scatter because of suffering. And guess what happens? Churches are planted all over Europe because of that suffering. And you see the church just explode because of that. And you see God is using his church over and over and over again. But when the church is taken out, when church attendance stops, when the word of God stops, you put put a pulpit up in your life and you become the preacher of your life. I have to brag about this. We have a fix-it ministry here at church. We have a lot of ministries and this fix, this, this group of men, and I'm assuming there might be some women here too. Andy Fish is, uh, oversees this ministry, but they have helped out with people with plumbing issues, working on cars, light fixtures, home repairs, kitchen cabinets, all kinds of stuff. They've loved on people. Isn't that beautiful? That's the church loving on others. Ephesians chapter four, here it is. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church the body of Christ. Did you see that? The church is the body of Christ. That's my job. And other pastor's job is to build up believers as the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That's our standard. Jesus is our standard. And I've never seen a mature follower of Jesus Christ who's not committed to his church. I've never seen it. Never. Verse 14 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Isn't that amazing? Those people who go to church, they know what truth looks like and they know what a lie looks like. Doesn't it make sense? If a church is truly accurately proclaiming the word of God, those who attend church should know what truth looks like better than anyone else. As long as that church is accurately teaching every page from the Bible. That's important. Some pastors don't teach every page from the Bible. And every pastor should be teaching every page from the Bible. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Oh, there's love. Isn't that beautiful? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? See, it's all about him. It's not about me or you or any of this stuff. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about your preferences. They have a big drum at that church. I don't want to go back to that church. They're not wearing robes at that church. I don't want to go back to that church. The music was too loud. I don't want to go back to that church. They didn't say hello to me at that church. I don't want to go back to that church. They allowed coffee into the worship center. I don't want to go back to that church. They didn't serve me coffee. I don't want to go back to that church. They get all dressed up over there. I don't fit right. I don't want to go back to that church. 
They wear jeans. I don't like jeans. I should be dressed up. I don't want to go back to that church. They didn't say hello to me. I don't want to go back to that church. They said hello to me too much. I don't want to go back to that church. They forgot my name. I don't want to go back to that church. They read something in the Bible that was offensive. I don't want to go back to that church. They should have preached more of the Bible. I don't want to go back to that church. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. Better is one day. Better is one day. Here's what I want to ask you to do. Would you fall in love with his church? Maybe it starts with your relationship with Jesus. Maybe, maybe you need to make that decision and you need to invite Jesus. Maybe you're here right now because Jesus is saying, come home. Maybe that's your first step. If you consider yourself a Christian, would you not be a consumer-driven Christian? Would you not be a self-sufficient Christian? But would you pour yourself into his church? Would you stop giving excuses about why you can't and just jump in? Can you do that? There's a fight going on and we're doing our best to reach a post-Christian culture. Churches are not growing right now. Thorn Creek is unique because we are growing. That's extremely unique. I know churches across the country, most of them are not growing. Most are not growing. And it's not that online viewers are increasing because they were, but now they're dropping. We are in a post-Christian culture. And your Savior needs you. God, thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Would you just continue to have your way? If you're ready to receive Jesus, would you say this? Say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. Forgive me for my sins. I turn away from them. I repent of them. And I want to become a Christian right now. So I ask you to be my Savior. Be my Lord. I want to come back home. Be my God. Change my heart, Jesus. Teach me how to walk with you. Others of you, maybe you consider yourself a Christian. Maybe you need to say this. Jesus, forgive me. I've had all the reasons why I can't serve or can't give or can't attend. Why it's not right for me. But today I realize it's not about me, it's about you. Forgive me for any consumer mentality I may have had. Forgive me for any self-sufficient spirit I may have had. I want to fall in love with your church right now. I want to love your church as much as you love it. And I'm willing. I'm willing to love it. So put a new love inside of me for your church. I'm done waiting for all the circumstances to line up before I jump in. I'm just going to jump in now. Thank you. Lord, I pray that you continue to use Thorn Creek Church Use us to reach all of North Denver. I promise, Lord, to preach every page of, of, of your, your word. May people see our love. May they see our love. May they fall in love with the church. Thank you for the souls that you bring here. I want to pray also for all the other churches in the area that are meeting, that are lifting up the name of Jesus. Would you be with all these churches around us, God? Use them all for your glory, God, for your kingdom. I know one church doesn't fit all, so I just pray that you use every pastor who I know loves you, Jesus. 
give them strength and courage even to preach the hard stuff. And I pray, Jesus, for a revival that happens in Denver. And may you start here, God, by your grace. In your name we pray all this. Amen. Amen. Hey, I want to share a story with you guys. I talked about Tawny earlier driving an hour, and we have another gal who drives about an hour. She lives in Castle Rock and comes to church, Thorn Creek Church. Castle Rock is about an hour away. Sometimes it could be as much as two-hour drive time away, one way. So she drives anywhere from two to four hours, so to speak, going through Denver to get up here. She lives in Castle Rock. And we, we brought her in, and we asked her, so why do you drive to Thorn Creek? Take a look at this. I look this way. <laughs> okay. Hello, my name is Michelle. Whatever you want me to say. <laughs> my name is Michelle, and I've been here for 10 years. <laughs> well, Thorn Creek Church uh, became my home in 2011, um, and I can't. I don't feel like I could be fed spiritually anywhere else, so it's worth the drive. It's an hour here and an hour back. Castle Rock. <laughs> I never thought that I would need church. And then I was going through some struggles and gave God a challenge and told him I would go to church if he would prove himself to me. And through that challenge, God has shown me so much of why I need church. Thorn Creek Church has ministered uh, to me by helping me understand the Word um, in a way that I can understand and apply in my life. I've had some really high highs and some super lows. Um, and Thorn Creek Church has never made me feel um, abandoned. Uh, and every time I come, I get the message of God and that he has bigger things. And being at church is like a workout. I've noticed if I try to work out at home, I'm not as disciplined. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> so coming to church gives me that spiritual discipline of when I come, it's like, a, it's like a workout, it's a boost. I know that I am going to get more out of it than if I were to try to do it by myself. Thorn Creek Church has ministered uh, to my family, uh, I've been baptized here. My oldest son and my dad at the age of 81, my son was 12, they both were baptized together in the same water bin um, and are both in heaven now. And I know they were ministered here and, and now my youngest son is also talking about being baptized through the church also. So God has definitely worked through Thorn Creek Church to speak to us um, and I can't deny that. And when I come to church and I see everyone different from who I am, all walk different walks of life experiences, I see us all coming together, you know, to worship God together. And it reminds me that we're family. And as a matter of fact, I asked my son um, before doing this video why he needs church. And he summed it up perfectly. He said, because it's home. <laughs> <laughs>